Good morning and welcome to Butterfly Kisses, A Journey of Spiritual Transformation. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham. I am so grateful that you have decided to join me today on this amazing episode. You are going to absolutely love today's guest. She is a 57-year-old woman who lives in Tennessee and has endured a six and a half years of abuse. She is also a recovering alcoholic. Christine Malik now coaches women who have suffered from domestic violence to get their sassy back by teaching them to be strong, assertive, smart, sexy, and independent. She emphasizes that your greatest strength is oftentimes your greatest weakness, and that seeking help is definitely not your weakness, but your greatest strength. It's been Christine's mission to help women realize that abuse is not their fault, but that they can be empowered through their experiences. She believes that women can thrive after abuse and emerge like a phoenix from the ashes. She encourages women to start the conversation when they see signs of abuse in relationships and to help those who are in need. Have you experienced abuse and are you on a recovery path? Have you been told to just be strong or just move on, but find yourself unable to get empowered, resilient, or find the strength that you desire? If you're struggling to make progress, despite this well-meaning advice, then today's episode is for you. But before we hear from Christine, I wanted to share with you that today's episode will be my last episode for 2022. I need to take some well-needed self-care time to go within and rejuvenate. But let's be honest, isn't that what the winter solstice is for? During this quiet stillness of the season, all of life pauses to reflect and restore. So that's what I'll be doing over the next few weeks. So join me in 2023 for more exciting interviews with some very amazing guests. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode when it's available in 2023, I invite you to sign up for my newsletter at butterflykissespodcast.com. Or you can also like my social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok, all of the links are provided for you in the show notes. So you can find me there as well. But until next year, I hope that you all have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a wonderful new year. And now, please help me welcome Miss Christine Malik. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for joining us on Butterfly Kisses. Your story is absolutely fantastic and amazing, and I cannot wait to share it with the audience today. I think you are going to have such an impact on them. Just from your spirit alone, I can definitely see your bright So tell us all about who you are and why do you do what you do? Wow. First of all, thank you for having me. This is a very much a privilege for me also. I am Christine. I am 57 years old. I live in Tennessee. I am divorced twice. That's all irrelevant. What I do and what I'm guided to do is what really my life is about. I help because I went through six and a half years of abuse, physical, 
mental, psychological, sexual, verbal, every abuse possible. I had a defining moment back in 2017, 18, that I did not realize was my defining moment until earlier this year. And I've been led on a path throughout my 57 years to be able to do what I do today. And that is to help any woman out there that is in an abusive situation that has dealt with it, is dealing with it, to let them know they are not alone. I call myself the Sassy Coach, and it's S-A-S-S-I. And I believe that every woman has that essence of sassy. And I've been told that there are men out there that have it too. It's our essence. It's our soul. It's our being. It's what makes us us. And as a woman of abuse, and I don't say abused women, we're not abused. If you say it's an abused woman, that to me says that we're weak. We are not weak in any sense of the term. So we are women of abuse. We have been women that have been abused. I want to change that vocabulary and I'm working real hard to do that. So what I do is through my sassy coaching is I help women, especially those women that have been abused, get their sassy back. And sassy, it's an acronym that stands for strong, assertive, smart, sexy, and independent. And we are all that. And it actually started when my daughter, who is almost 31 this year, in fact, next month, she'll be 31, when she was in Girl Scouts. Now, obviously, I didn't use that third S for sexy for six and seven-year-old girls. It was just S-A-S-I for them. <laughs> but as my daughter got a little older, I taught her S-A-S-S-I. She actually has the tattoo. She wanted, At 16, she came to me and said, mom, can I get that tattoo on me? I said, absolutely, girlfriend. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so she wears the tattoo. She knows what sassy is. She helps me remember why I did that and why I do that. When the girls were little, you know, six and seven-year-old brownies, I kept hearing, I can't do this, Miss Christine. I can't do that. I can't. I can't. I don't know how. So not only did I come up with sassy, strong, assertive, smart, and independent, because as little girls, we are that. I also came up with, and I just told my eldest granddaughter two days ago, I can't is another acronym, which stands for Imagine Children Achieving Neat Things. I mean, isn't that awesome? That So when a child says, I can't, we can teach them they can. They can achieve neat things, whatever those things are in life. To give them that power back to them, that they can do what they put their mind to. So Sassy came about because my daughter, not so much as some of the other little girls, but that's what I do. I teach now women that have been victims of abuse and we are survivors. That's the other one I came up with. We not only survived it, we thrive from it and we can thrive from that abuse, however that abuse was. So now we are strong, assertive, smart, sexy, and independent. And I help those women find that again. They have it. It's in there. So I help bring it out and show them that it's there. It's not easy. There are some women that will fight me tooth and nail, but that's okay. Take a step back. I wait. Just be. That's the other part of my whole sassy thing is that we be, do, have sassy. 
because eventually we are going to ruffle some feathers and blow some minds. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Ruffling feathers and blowing minds. We do. As women, we do. Whether we're victims of abuse or not, no matter who we are in this world as women, and we do it every day. We do it. We just don't realize we do it. And we don't get that recognition that we do it. It's the feminine energy, I think, that we bring to the table. It can be very linear and they're doers. We are, the feminine energy is more of the visionary and the beers, <laughs> if that's a word. Okay. So you went through abuse yourself and yes. now you are helping women who have gone through abuse and are on the recovering yes. stage of it. How do women and men, because like I was telling you earlier, my father was actually abused in his relationship. It was a very interesting dynamic that happened between him and his second wife. But where did they find the courage to leave? Unfortunately, they don't, which is why I do this. Okay. This is exactly why I do this, because we feel so much guilt and insignificance and belittlement, and all those negative things that we go through. We don't know who to talk to. We don't know where to turn. We don't know what to say. One of the things that hit me the other day, and I actually told my daughter yesterday, the strength it takes to admit your greatest weakness is so much bigger than that weakness. We have to be able to say, I need help. And that is a very hard thing for any woman to do because as you just said, we're teachers, we're mothers, we're nurturers, we're nurses, we're doctors, we're coaches. Everything that we do as a mom, as a woman, we're board members, we're entrepreneurs, we're spiritualists, we're healers, we're reverends, we're everything that we are, we forget about us. And we forget to say, I need help. And that can be your greatest strength. In AA, we called it rock bottom. In NA, we called it rock bottom. When that addict, and I am an addict, I'm a recovering addict, drug addict and alcoholic. In fact, I usually say, hi, my name is Christine. I'm an ick because I have every addiction possible. <laughs> <laughs> but we know when we hit that rock bottom, there is no other place to go other than up. So when we finally get to that point and we've had enough and we say enough is enough, we have to be able to say, I need help. I didn't know who to turn to. I had three adult children, two boys, one girl. I had friends. I had nobody that I felt I can go to. It was shortly after that we touched on this before the show that my archangel Michael came to me and I'll tell you what he said, but we have to be able to, to understand it's okay to be at that rock bottom. Now, unfortunately, Miss Amy, the statistic is one in seven women in the United States alone, will not get out of that relationship alive. And in my book, that is one too many. One in seven women will not make it out alive. One in four women in the United States will experience abuse and domestic violence in their lifetime. Again, that is one too many. So that means if you and I were not in any type of an abusive relationship and we went out and had two other friends with us, one of us is being in an abusive relationship. How do we open that conversation? How do we start that conversation? How do we go to that person and say, 
even if it's just a friend. And I go to you and I say, listen, there's something going on with you. Can we please talk and try and be as, as women as we are and say, honey, I love you. I'm here for you. However, I need to be, let me help you. So that's why I do this. This is why I want to help that woman. Oh, I'm getting teary eyed. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I want to help that woman that thinks she has nowhere to turn, that thinks she is completely alone because I was alone at 50 some years old. When this started, I was 45, 46. When it started for me, six and a half years that I went through before I reached my rock bottom. And that was the gunshot one to the head in 2015. And I said, that's it. And it took me from 2015 to 2018 to finally get out of that situation. It's a long time. It happens. We all go through it. Sometimes it's not easy. We get a plan in place, no matter how crappy that plan is. Let me help. There are women out here that... (laughs) Trust me, Miss Amy, I cannot tell you how many people, since I started talking to people, they're coming to me and saying, can I tell you my story? Can I tell you what happened to me? Can I tell you what happened 30, 40, 50 years ago? Can I tell you what happened to me last year? Absolutely. I have two ears for a reason. I have my angel on my shoulder sitting behind me. I have, you mentioned it earlier, the light. That's him shining through. That is my angels and my guides saying, she's here. Talk to her. Use her. This is what she's here for. I'm here. Sorry. (laughs) You are fine. (laughs) I love it. You are fine. I get so passionate about this because I know how hard it is for a woman to admit we think it's failure and it's a strength hidden as a weakness. And we are not weak. We are so strong and capable of so many things in a relationship when it doesn't start out as physical abuse. Okay, it starts out very slow. That curve goes along and it's just a slight rise until it gets to the physical. And we still love this man or woman or whoever our partner is. We still have feelings and it's hard to admit that there's a possibility that we were the failure in that relationship. We think we're being told that verbal abuse, that psychological abuse, that everything was our fault. When I got the gunshot wound to the head, I was told, see what you made me do? See what you made me do? I mean, everything was my fault. When you hear that constantly, day in and day out, just the little nuances here and there and the little twists of the words here and there, you start to believe it. And that's what I try and tell every woman. We believe all those lies we were told. If we think they're lies now, why can't we believe them now? And I hate to say they're lies because obviously we do better. We need to lift other women up. We need to be told that we're beautiful in whatever form of body we have. We're beautiful no matter what, inside and out. And it's that inner beauty that needs to come out, that we're not too short. We're not too skinny. We're not too fat. We're not too old. We're not too young. We need to believe those again and to bring out Like I said, bring that sassy, that essence and mold it and have that little kindle of fire burning in there. We need to bring that out again, like a phoenix coming out of the ashes to say, you know what? I am good enough just the way I am. I love me the way I am. And that took me a long time. That took me a very long time to be comfortable in my skin again, 
to be comfortable with who I am. That's what I want women to know that it is possible. It is achievable and we can do it. We can do it. It's there. Yes, we can. I had an experience once and I'm glad you brought up that abuse doesn't start off right away. I told you earlier that I started transitional housing for battered women in Charlotte and I was doing a presentation at a church one time and this woman asked me, well, why don't they just leave? I hate that question. And I looked at her and I said, are you married? And she said, yes, I am. I said, would you ever expect your husband to hit you? And she said, oh, he would never. Well, what if he did? And he came back and said, he was sorry. What would you do? Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she goes, I'd probably believe him because I love him. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happens here. You don't expect it. And then when they come back, they're so sorry. Oh, yes. And the gifts and the the love. Yes. And they suck you right back in and you want to believe them because you love them. Yes. And you want to give them a second chance. Yes. So you do. And you go back. And then the honeymoon phase happens. And it was, it it really blew her mind when I approached it that way. And then my other question was, well, why don't they just quit hitting? Why is it the woman's fault? Why can't it be that the men need to learn or the abuser need to learn not to hit? For you, how do you go about helping women and the men to be able to know when is enough enough? When can you no longer believe those lies? There is no one line. There's no one hurdle to jump over or one level that you got to the lowest level. Every woman is different. Okay. Mm -hmm. And a perfect example of this is I stayed in for six and a half years at 50 some years old, six and a half years. I put up with this. Okay. Some women will endure their whole lives, their whole marriage, 30 years that we don't know about. Okay. And then there are other women that they get married young. They're 18, 19, 20. They think everything's hunky-dory and it's that sassy, it's that essence in them. Now, where does that come from? Yes, it's given to us by our God, our higher powers, but it is also taught. And unfortunately, it is an environment thing. It is, where did we see it from? Where did we get it from? Was it our parents? Now, I know my generation and my parents' generation, everything was, oh, hush, hush, we sweep it under the carpet. We don't talk about it. My father now knows after I'm 57 years old and he only found out about this year. He now knows what happened to me all those years. <laughs> he cried, but he understands where it came from. That generation from the 50s and earlier that we don't talk about family problems. You go to work, everything's hunky-dory. The wife stays home. She cooks, she cleans, she takes care of the kids. That was that generation. There are women nowadays, obviously, we're getting more empowered and we understand that that is unacceptable. So every woman is different. It's just like an alcoholic. I could be a functioning alcoholic, go to work from my eight to five, eight to six, come home and immediately start to drink. I'm a functioning alcoholic. At what point do I know that enough is enough? Is it the DUI? 
Is it, you know, the failed relationships? Even if they're good, I could be taking secondary classes and I'm failing at a class, which could be completely different from the woman sitting next to me at the bar who just goes in, drinks only on weekends, but gets totally shit-faced every weekend, okay? Is she a functioning alcoholic? Is she an alcoholic? What is her breaking point? What is her rock bottom? Everybody has a different state and level to where they say enough is enough, that I can't take this. How much are they supposed to take? How do they live with that partner? What if there's no physical abuse and they're only dealing with that psychological and the mental? What if it's strictly sexual abuse in that marriage? They're married. They're supposed to have sex, right? But what if she doesn't want to and she says no and he insists on it? Is that sexual assault? Is it rape? Is it abuse? Absolutely. Absolutely. If she says no, we have to respect her body. Does she have enough chutzpah, as I call it, sassy, to, to say, dude, I said no, back the F off. Or is she timid and doesn't know how to find her sassy yet to say all that? So she thinks in her head, okay, well, you know what? He's my husband. I love him. I know he loves me. Let me just get it over and done. I've been there, okay? I've done that. Let me just lay here and hope to God he gets done quicker rather than later. I've been there. I've done that. Is that her rock bottom? Is that my rock bottom? Everybody's rock bottom is a little different. And unfortunately, and that's why the biggest tip or advice that I can give any woman, any person out there listening that may be going through this is we have to communicate. Now, when I say communication, I don't mean just like you and I. We're having a conversation. We are. But I'm also listening. And you're listening. You're hearing. You're watching my body language. I'm watching your body language. I'm watching your eye movements. You're watching mine. You said it earlier, that light shines through, okay? That is my sassy coming through. So watch the person you're having a conversation with. If it's your coworker, learn to communicate correctly. Now, once we know and feel that there may be an issue with the lady sitting next to me at the coffee shop and I'm looking at her mannerisms and I'm watching her. Now, do I take my communication skills and the things that I've learned and say, hi, my name is Christine. Do you mind if I sit here with you for a moment? Just open up those lines of communication. Okay, listen, we have to learn to communicate both ways, not just talk, and not just hear, but to listen. They're there. Those clues are there. There were days that I had way more makeup on to cover the black eyes than I did the day before. There were way many days in the state of Florida that I was wearing long sleeves instead of short sleeves when it was 90 degrees out. The signs are there. The woman that is being abused does not know how yet that is one of my missions. I will make sure every woman knows how to have and to find and to be deuce and have sassy to be able to say, you know what? It's okay for me to say I need help. Now, where do I find that help? And that's what I want every woman to know that it's okay. We have, as women, we have gut instinct, intuition, that guiding source within us. We need to learn to listen to it more. 
in no matter what situation it is, whether it's with an abusive partner, whether we know when our children, we kind of have that sense when our children are in danger or not quite right. Maybe they're experimenting, they're teenagers and they're experimenting with drugs and alcohol. We have that sense as, as mothers. Why can't we have it you know, with, with our partner? Why does that have to be any different? What can people do who, you said, go up and introduce yourself and sit down and have a conversation, but say you have a coworker, you have a friend that you suspect is in an abusive relationship. Yep. You don't necessarily want to put her in even more danger. Agreed. So, so what is it that you can do or I can do as a friend, as a coworker to let them know that, hey, I'm here, I see you, I see what's going on. What can we do to help without putting them in danger? Yes, probably the easiest thing that I've discovered so far, and as soon as I find something else that works a little better, I'll let everybody know. But the easiest thing that I found right now is somehow get that coworker, that friend, that mom, that daughter, whatever the relationship is, get that woman in a vehicle, take her for a ride. She's a captive audience in that vehicle. And you get in the driver's seat, she's in the passenger seat. And you say, listen, there's something going on with you. This vehicle is not stopping until we get to the bottom of it. Whatever that is, I'm here, I'm two ears, start talking girl, cause I'm here, I'm listening. Well, no, 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 everything's fine, everything's fine. Well, okay, then we're gonna keep driving, <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> I know there's something going on. Open up, tell me, talk to me. Let me listen. Let me help you. You do not have to do this alone. And that is probably the biggest thing is that when we're in an abusive relationship, again, it goes back to what I said earlier, the guilt, the shame, we feel we have nobody. If you were not experienced handling abuse the way you are, obviously, if I came to you and said, listen, my husband is Let's say it's not the physical. I think my husband is verbally abusing me, but I don't know. What are you going to say if you have no idea? A normal friend is, honey, you have no idea what you're talking about. He loves you. I see you guys on the outside. And trust me, when my ex, when we went out and saw other people and interacted, and he was a completely different person on the outside in public than he was in our home. So, you know, sit that woman down, take her for a drive, let her know that it's okay. Listen, I'm here. And if you're not ready to open up, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what I think. Open the gates of conversation. They will flow. So I had told you earlier that I am back in Florida visiting my family and friends. I'm staying with my dad. We happen to be driving around. He saw a sign that said lost cat. And he's like, honey, I saw this cat. I, I know this cat. So I get the phone number. I get a picture of the cat. I said, are you sure this is the cat that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, my intuition was just blowing up. For me, it's more like Archangel Michael, basically <laughs> pushing my shoulder going, um, Christine, you know what you need to do. So I pick up my phone. I'm laying in bed. I'm like, okay, I have to do something. I asked my dad earlier. I said, do you want me to call her? No, let's wait till we see the cat. Nope. It was going full blown go. And I pick up my phone. I'm like, I'm a Texas woman. I texted her and I said, Hey, is your cat? And the cat's name is Oreo. I said, is your cat still missing? And she said, yes, he is. He's been spotted here, but I can't seem to get him 
I did not bring up anything. But she doesn't know who I am from Adam. This is how our universe works. So I said, okay, here are some things that you can try. Keep the litter box out, the food, without even going anywhere near there. She starts telling me this has been such a rough um, patch of my life. I'm going through some rough issues. I don't know how to deal with it. This cat has been now all of a sudden my, uh, it's like, whoa, <laughs> okay, here it is. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. I'm on <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I just offer some love and some understanding and I don't think I said anything about who I am. She doesn't even know if I'm male or female. It's text only. I never said my name. And I said to her, I said something along the lines of, you're being taught a lesson. Rio is staying away from the house as much as he's coming to the house. He will not scratch at the door. She goes to open the door. He runs. I said, you're being taught a lesson. You're being taught to be independent. She texts me back this whole big paragraph and a half saying, oh, you have no idea. She just let loose. Like we ended up with this hour and a half long conversation through text of how her husband of 14 years cheated on her. She's had four concussions, like full blown. And I'm like, whoa, okay. now I'm blown away. I don't realize how bad it is. All I know is that I'm guided to talk to this woman and to hear her story, I can't tell you how many times, Miss Amy, that she said, I'm so sorry, you're a stranger. And I'm like, that's the best place to unload. Unload to a stranger. There's no judgment here. And it wasn't until about halfway through. And even though I told her that I was a coach for abused women, it went completely over her head. She is not ready to hear that. She is not ready to deal with it. But she knows that now she has somebody she can talk to. And say, I texted her just before our show here. I said, just checking in on you, making sure you're okay. If you need anything, let me know. That's all it takes is just that love, that care, that compassion. We lost that as a society, didn't we? We lost compassion. We lost love. And that's one of the things that Michael wants me to bring forth, that love. Why do you think I get teary-eyed? Because I felt his love. I know what that love feels like. And I tease and my father's with an earshot, okay? And he's probably going to be mad at me, but I'm a retired Catholic. I have been a retired Catholic <laughs> for many years. It's more of a spiritual thing than anything else. And the fact that Archangel Michael is with me and I had an experience with him, it's like I have all these religions all over the world wrapped into this one beautiful body here okay and spirit and, and my sassy and my glow we have to be compassionate again we have to love again we can have self-care without being selfish does that make sense without a doubt okay. without a doubt <laughs> self-care is so important yes and finding your inner sassy yes yes i love it so tell us you bring up archangel michael where did you meet him <laughs> and what is that relationship like now for you? Just a quick little backstory. I had the gunshot wound to the head in 2015. That was my defining moment. I ended up in the hospital with four surgeries, 15 procedures, almost a year in and out. It was an horrific year. 
I have a stent in my liver. What happened is because of the abuse that I was enduring and that I still had to endure, I turned uh, to alcohol even harder. I was full blown morning, noon and night. I drank. That was my release to not feel the pain. And I don't mean physical pain. So I ended up in the hospital. In 2018, when I finally had my last surgery, which was the stent in my liver, because basically my surgeon on the second surgery, he opened me up and he said he came back in after recovery. And it was the second surgery that I died on the table twice. But he came in at recovery and he said to me, he said, Christine, if you take one more drink, you will die. And I was kind of along the lines of, that's a theory I don't want to test. <laughs> I don't want a theory. I don't want to tell him, oh no, you know what, doc? You're wrong. I didn't want to go there. And I knew my life was just, it was shit. It was, it was horrific. It was the worst six and a half years of my life, but the best moments of my life happened within that six and a half years. So I, quit the alcohol. I went through recovery. I went through healing. Um, went back in the hospital again in April of 2017 is when I had the stent put in my liver. I was healing. I had to learn how to walk again, drive again, because you lose muscle. I had lost so much weight. I was unhealthy in a sense that I just couldn't take care of myself. Here I was still relying on this man that I wanted out of my life, but I had gone through these surgeries, needed his help. He never showed up at the hospital. And if he did, he was there maybe 10, 15 minutes. I went through major surgery. I had 70, 80 some staples in my body. And do you think I could get him to stay longer than 15 minutes? No. So I finally kick him out of the house. I'll fast forward for you a little bit. Finally kick him out of the house in 2018. I had become addicted, got off the alcohol, became addicted to pain pills because of my addictive nature. Told myself, I can't do this. I knew it was coming. I say that, but what I know now is that every step of my life, Michael was with me. I just didn't, I just didn't know it. So there I was one night all by myself, my two German shepherds finally started to get some sort of life back. Didn't know where I was going, what I was going to do. I'm on disability. I can't work. I actually started to little by little get some exercise by working with my eldest son, trying to make ends meet. The little bit that X provided was maybe some food for the dogs. It was tough. I basically survived on $1,000 a month, okay, with an $800 mortgage by myself. Do the math exactly, right? Yeah. So one night I was laying in bed and I was in so much pain, excruciating pain, like every cell in my body hurt. And being the non-practicing retired Catholic that I was, <laughs> I began begging and pleading. I was looking up and pleading to God was there for me. And of course the bargaining starts. I'll do anything. Please take this pain away. Of course I'm in full blown tears. When I tell you the pain was excruciating it through every, every part of my body was in pain, no matter which way I turned, looked, 
everything was in pain. I now know that I needed to experience all that pain to get where I am today. So as I'm bargaining with God going, please, I'll do anything. Just take this pain away, take the pain away. And I probably laid there for about an hour, 40 minutes, somewhere in there. Just, I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted the pain to go away. I knew I couldn't take anything. I'd already kicked the pain pills, threw them down the sink. And as I'm a conscious, half unconscious, and I mean that in the sense of where you're, you're drifting off to sleep, but you're not... There was this beautiful white light and a ball and an orb. It just kind of came out of the wall and it got closer. And as it got closer, it got bigger. And I cannot to this day find the right words to describe the bright it wasn't hot it wasn't cold if you look at the sun your eyes hurt if you look at this white light my eyes did not hurt i felt i was awake but dreaming if that makes sense mm -hmm. oh, yeah. it enveloped my whole bedroom and it enveloped me and i could feel the pure joy and love came with this light and as i said it shifted from an orb a ball to full-blown everything's just there it was all around me as i said the light didn't hurt it didn't burn it wasn't hot it wasn't cold you would expect by looking at a white light like this there'd be heat associated with there was none of that and i'm laying on the bed and this this thing and i didn't know what it was I could feel being enveloped in it and being held by it. And as I was being held, I was lifted off the bed. And it was at that moment that I realized there is no pain in my body. Everything is gone. The only thing you could feel is that love. We love our kids. We love our relationships. We love our parents. We love our animals. We feel that love. But this love was so different. Like I said, I cannot ever find the words. To this day, I still cannot find the words to, to describe that love. Very few people in this world as humans will ever experience that type of love. So as I'm held and lifted off the bed, I could feel that there is no bed under me. I could feel complete weightlessness, the love, the comfort, the joy. The next thing I know is I feel a presence by my ear and he whispered to me, everything's going to be okay, Christine. And I just stayed there. And it was just a few moments longer. And little by little, I was placed back on the bed. Rolling descending down. I was probably halfway off the bed of total envelopment, probably two feet off my bed. And there's no pain. I could still feel the love. Little by little, just the way it came in, that's the way it went out.
and off to sleep I drifted. So obviously the next morning I wake up, it was probably the best night's sleep in 10 years that I had ever had. <laughs> the next morning I swing my legs over to the side of the bed and my male German shepherd's right there. And I could tell that he knew what happened. And I'm looking at him and, and I'm thinking in my head, did I dream that? And I'm kind of looking around like, oh, wait a second, okay, I'm here, but something feels different. And it just kind of hit me. I just kind of, whoa, <laughs> whoa, wow. And there's nobody here to share it with. Who do I tell? Who do I let know what just happened the night before? Who do I tell? And how do I tell this? And how do I tell my kids? How do I, who do I tell? Who do I share this with? I thought that next morning that it really was God. You know, as much as I was a non-practicing Catholic, I thought, whoa. And now I'm thinking, okay, well, now I really have to live the good, clean life. You know, I, <laughs> I got visited by God. Little old me, I'm nothing special. I hadn't done anything special in my life. I wasn't an athlete. I wasn't a politician. I wasn't a doctor. I wasn't a lawyer. I was just plain old Christine. I couldn't even tell you, Miss Amy, how long after that I got me. Of course, you know, the feeling that you get is, like I said, that love is with me. That love... Ugh will always be with me. And any chance that I can share it and express it, that's what I do. Because that's what I was told to do. I just kind of know I was bestowed a gift. I try to live my life like, I'm not perfect, we're humans, I'm not perfect. But I get reminded every once in a while that if I'm feeling down and out or beating myself up with all those self-doubt thoughts that go through our head, I'll be walking my dog and out of the blue, there'll be a feather laying right on the ground. Where a few hours earlier, walked with my dog, nothing was there. It's not a feather from a regular bird in the neighborhood. It's my clues that he's saying, hello, you're okay. <laughs> that mm -hmm. little click behind my ear, a little tap on my shoulder. That's how he lets me know that he's still with me. What happened was, I couldn't even tell you if it was weeks later, months later. I happened to be maybe going out of the grocery store and I saw this woman walking towards me and, and Again, know my gut. I know my intuition. She's looking at me. I'm looking at her. We're kind of drawn to each other. And as we're getting closer and within speaking distance, she stopped and I stopped and she's standing there and she says, you've been touched. I said, excuse me? Now, obviously touch, I'm still healing from all the abuse and everything else. And it took a moment to understand, to realize what she was saying. And she says, you've been touched. And I said, oh, okay. And a part of me is like, what are you talking about? You crazy woman. I hadn't put <laughs> two and two together. She just kind of went on her way and I went on my way. And it wasn't until I actually walked into, it was a spiritual shop and immediately the woman that owned the shop. She says, you have Michael with you. Archangel Michael is with you. And I was like, oh, how do you know? She says, he's right there. He's right there. He will always be on your left shoulder and you have two more on your right. I'm like, okay, I'll take it. So I just know, I feel, as I said, that he's always with me. He always gives me those little signs. I could ask him, I could talk to him. I could, I can feel that he's there. 
I get my answers, how he gives them to me. It's not like I actually see him or have a vision of him. I just know he's there. I have no fear. I know I am divinely protected. And I know this is my path. This is what I am supposed to do. I'm supposed to just spread the love, spread the word, help women. I had to go through everything I went through to be able to say, I got you, girlfriend. I'm right there with you. And I will help you however I can. That's what I do. I love it. I think there's a lot, a lot of people that are a lot of souls that incarnate into this world, into the darkness of the world to experience it, to go through it and to be able to shine their light and be a lighthouse, a beacon for those who are still lost in the darkness. Yeah. And you're one of those lighthouses. So once again, thank you for shining your light because people need to hear that and people need to, to know that it's okay. One, that they're perfectly perfect. And that their story, their experience, even though it may be real in the moment, is really just still a story and an experience. And we can choose to look at it from a different perspective as well, like you have. You look on it as as love. And one of the things that I'm going to ask you that I'm hearing Chuck ask me, ask you is if, would you change the six and a half years that you spent with your husband if you knew you wouldn't be able to be where you're at right now? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) That is a definitive no. And I have been asked that before, not in that particular way, but I have been asked that before. If I had any regrets, do I, do I wish I didn't? No, no. As I said, I know today that I had to endure those six and a half years to be able to help somebody. There's somebody out there that I'm helping. I don't need to know. I don't have to know. Obviously, I have my clients and I'm a full-blown coach for that. But the reason I do this is to get it out to more people. However, my story, you just said it, however it resonates with who's ever listening to it, that they can go, oh, shit, you know what? If this woman can get through all that, maybe there is some hope. There is hope. There is always hope. There's always love. We just have find it we just have to admit that we need help and find it there are people we are good people out here yet that are there are more and more people finding their light and shining their beacon than there are those in the darkness and we just have to keep shining keep loving and keep praying and hoping and saying we got you we got you we're here yeah yeah well, I can't believe that we are coming up on the hour. This okay. is a fascinating conversation. I'm just like totally mesmerized by this because my heart goes out to women and men who are in this type of life. And it's very interesting because one of the things I heard when you said I had to go through what I went through, what I heard was, no, she chose this to be the angel and the light for those who are in darkness. So it's very empowering to look at it as, yes, this is something that I chose and this is where I'm at today. And I'm choosing now to live in love and light. So thank you for being you. But one other question I wanna ask you, and I ask everyone, so I'm gonna ask you as well. Yes. If you have an opportunity 
to sit on your favorite park bench mm. with someone, anyone, whether that person be in alive in physical form or in the spirit world? Who would that be? And what would you talk about? I've heard that question asked many times. It's never been asked to me before, but my first initial thought was I would be there and everybody that I have ever encountered in my life, it would be huge. The park would just be filled with all these friends and family, loved ones that have been here, loved ones that have passed, love, it, everybody. And I would just want like a big family reunion, an extended family reunion. That, that's the only way I can vision it too. I can see it that there would just be everybody. Love it. <laughs> that I have ever looked up to, everybody that I've ever loved, everybody that I've ever hurt, everybody that I've ever been mean to and not nice to. And yes, I would also want that man that did all those things to me to be present whether he was in the back or right up front so that he can see the woman he helped create, the woman he had a small part in creating because he helped find my sassy. He squashed it and he tried to stomp it and he tried to burn the mofo down, but <laughs> this phoenix rose and I would love for him to be able to see how much better I am today than I was back then. But yeah, I would love everybody. Everybody would have to be there. I, 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 like, a, like I said, a huge family reunion, an extended family reunion. <laughs> and his soul would be there saying, go girl. Because he chose that life as well. Yes. And he chose to be probably, well, your greatest teacher. Yes. And yeah. what a blessing. Yes. So. Yes. Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining us on Butterfly Kisses. You, like I said, are an inspiration and a light. And I truly thank you for being you and for being here. Thank you, Miss Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.